How's everyone doing? Well. Everyone good? I'm going to take this off. Is that cool? Can I do that? Great. Hey, a couple, a couple quick things before I get started. Uh, number one, uh, I, I want to tell y'all I'm, I'm truly like honored uh, and grateful to be here. I know that's like the cliche thing that I'm, that I'm supposed to say, but um, every time I get asked to, to speak and teach God's word, it's, it's like a very humbling thing. And as I was driving over here, I just like I feel the weight of um, teaching. I feel the weight of, of communicating God's word and being a mouthpiece for, for God. And so just from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know I'm really, I'm really grateful and thankful to be here. I have no uh, desire to be impressive tonight. I have no desire to um, be witty tonight or anything like that. Like I, I want to be helpful. We're talking about dating tonight. That's a, that's a, I like I like that. That's good. This feels better. And so yeah, I just I want to be super super helpful tonight. And so I, I really and truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you uh, for allowing me to to come be here. The second thing is this. Um, you are, this has nothing to do with the message, but I want to say this, you are at a, you are at a, uh, a time in your life as a young adult, 18 to, you know, 22, 23, where you have a decision to make whether you're going to follow Jesus or whether you're going to follow the world and it's really going to inform the rest of your life and the road ahead for you. And from someone who's a little bit older and who's done a little bit more life, I'm 28, so not that much older, but, um, I just want to encourage you, choose, choose Jesus because he's better. And, I, and I, if you don't hear anything I said tonight, choose Jesus. Je- Jesus himself said there's a road that is uh, wide and a gate that is wide that many enter through, and it leads to destruction. That's the way of the world. And Jesus said there's a narrow road um, that not many people understand. People will make fun of you. People will persecute you because of, because of it. But it's the way to peace, and it's the way to life, and it's the way to joy, and that's the way of Jesus and the way of the kingdom. And so choose Jesus. Because he's better than money, he's better than sex, he's better than dating, he's better than your job, he's better than what your parents have for you, he's better, okay? And so choose Jesus. If you don't hear anything else, I say tonight, choose Jesus. Okay, another thing, this is a little, on a, on a lighter note, is anyone sad that Tommy's ham house is gone? Yeah. A couple people? Okay. Somebody, does any, are there some people that have no idea what Tommy's ham house is? Okay, but okay, but that's very interesting. That's like a that's like a Furman classic. It's right up the road. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Lewis Barbecue. Does anyone know what Lewis Barbecue is? Okay, that's what replaced Tommy's Ham House. Anyways, also on another light note, uh, I'm very disappointed. You can blame Denison for this. Uh, he didn't tell me tonight was costume night, and so I'm, I, you look great. I wish I would have known. I would have done something. I'm disappointed that the majority of you are not wearing a costume, but. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I'm excited to be here. I'm going to jump right in, if that's cool. We're talking about dating tonight, uh, which is a very interesting conversation in 2022. Am I right? Very, very interesting. Uh, and so, uh, actually, let me back up. Let me just give you a brief, like, just so you don't think you're talking to a stranger. I'm from Greenville. I went to Clemson. Uh, you saw on that picture, I got a two-year-old son. Uh, my wife, we, she's actually pregnant. We're having a little girl in March, which I'm, which I'm super excited about. Every girl just, you know. Um, and I went, to, I went to Clemson. I was a chemical engineering major at Clemson. That's not true. I was not a chemical engineer. <laughs> I graduated Clemson. I went through a two-year Bible uh, like leadership college thing. I finished that in 2019, and then I joined staff at New Spring Church uh, in October of 2019, right before the world shut down. So a very interesting time to join staff at the church. Uh, 
For the first two and a half years, I um, worked specifically with young adults, 18 to 25 year olds. Um, and now as of June, I am the discipleship director, so I, I lead everyone over 18 at our campus. Um, and side note, I miss just working with young adults, if I'm being honest. I love, this is like my, I love this. This is my favorite age because this is the age where I was at my lowest point following Jesus. And this has also been the age where I have experienced most fruit in my life following Jesus. And so, um, all that to say, I'm just really an average guy who loves Jesus and I love the Bible. So I'm going to jump right in, uh, if that's, uh, if that's cool with you. Uh, my brother-in-law is actually, um, teaching next week. Um, so we're going to do a series on dating kind of tag team in. I'm obviously part one tonight. He'll, he'll carry on the conversation next week. So be a whole lot of fun. So let me get engaged in the room. Who in here is, uh, is single? Hands raised. Take a look around. This is good. This is good. So who's, raise your hand. Who's in a, who's in a relationship? Okay. Okay. This is good. This is good. Is anyone married in the room? No? Engaged. Okay, my man. Both of y'all? Y'all are Some of you, it's probably like very exciting. You're like, man, there's expectation. I'm hopeful for dating. I love, you know, I've had, I got a boyfriend, I got a girlfriend. It's going good. It comes natural to me. It's easy, right? For some of you, you're probably super excited. For some of you, you're probably nervous. Like, you know, there's so much nuance to dating. Like, where do I go? When when can I kiss them? Do I need to meet the parents? Like, all of all, all of these things. Um, if some of you are unsure, right? We got dating apps. We got. Um, can a girl initiate the conversation? We got ghosting, we got catfishing, we got like farmersonly.com, like all of these things. And it's, it's, it's crazy because everyone wants to talk about dating, but not many people really know how to navigate it, right? In 2022, it's very choppy waters. Not only this, but everyone has an opinion on dating, right? Hollywood has an opinion, culture has an opinion. Social media has an opinion, our friends have an opinion, culture, our parents, our grandparents, everyone uh, has an opinion, but no one has figured it out. And I was, I was telling Dennis earlier, I have a love-hate relationship with teaching on this topic. Um, I love it because everyone's excited about it, like people are engaged in the conversation, it's exciting, like people are receptive to it, but I, and I don't hate it, that's a strong term. But it's, it's hard to teach on dating because dating, some of you may not know this, dating is not anywhere found in the Bible. Okay, from Genesis to Revelation, there is not one reference to the word dating. It's, it's actually a term over the last century that was coined. Uh, it's, it, it is not a biblical term. It, it, it was actually um, a term that was, um, it, 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 it talked about prostitutes, prostitutes a lot, and it was coined for uh, hooking up. Dating meant hooking up when it was in its original term, which is interesting because in 2022, not much has, has changed, right? And so... Um, <laughs> As Christians, there's really only two categories in Scripture. You got you got brother and sister in Christ, whether you're single or in a relationship. You got brother and sister, or you got a husband and wife in the covenant of marriage, right? So you got brother and sister, or you got husband and wife within the covenant of marriage. And what we've done in culture is we've created like this kind of weird interim category 
called dating, right? And like I said, no one really knows where to go or what to do with it. The Bible talks a lot about singleness and a lot about marriage. <clears throat> um, and, um, but again, not much about dating. And so here, here's where we're going to go tonight. Um, the Bible um, does say a lot about the person you're becoming and how to live your life. Okay? The Bible says a lot about the person you're becoming and how to live your life. And so that's what we want to talk about the next two weeks, the person and the process of dating. Or in other words, the who and then the how. Okay? Because if the Bible doesn't specifically talk about dating, we need to talk about the type of person we're becoming and the type of life we're living. Because you can apply those principles to the relationships that you have here in 2022. So if you're taking notes, the title is going to be Dating 101, The Person and the Process. So today I'm talking about the person, the who. Next week my brother-in-law will talk about the process, the how. He'll talk probably deep dive more into marriage and kind of the outworkings of, of, of some of these things. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray one more time. Uh, I'm going to give you, after I pray, I'm going to give you a simple definition of what dating should be. I'm going to, be, I'm going to address three lies about dating. The, uh, these are not the only lies about dating, but I hear these a lot working with young adults, and I kind of want to address these three things. And then I'm going to give you five truths about who you should be dating. All right, and then after that, I told Dennison, if it's cool, I want to open up for a little Q&A for like 10, 15 minutes. This will be a shorter message. Excuse me. And so I'd love to just open it up again. There's, I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions tonight. Neither is Mason. There is nuance with this. Everyone has a different experience with this. So I apologize on the front end, but that's kind of why I wanted to open it up for Q&A at the end. If anyone has something that I say tonight, they want further explanation on or just something in general that I don't touch on tonight. Is that cool? Great. So let me pray and we'll jump in. Um, Father, would you, um, would you speak? Um, through me tonight, would you individually speak to, to every person in this room? God, we want to date in a manner worthy of the calling we've received. We want to date in a way that honors you. We want to date in a way that reflects the heart of, of you, King Jesus. So um, would you open our eyes tonight? Would you open our hearts? Would you would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you give us hearts to, to receive from you? And would you just speak, speak through me, God? Help me to hide uh, behind you tonight and, and, and just speak powerfully through me, God. I love you. We love you and we pray all this in King Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so simple definition. All right. Uh, I'll give you time to write this down because we don't have notes on the screen. So uh, dating, simple definition. Dating is a process of evaluating a person to see if you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with them. I'll repeat it a couple times in case people write it Dating is a process of evaluating a person to see if you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with them. Say it one more time. Dating is a process of evaluating a person to see if you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with them. So marriage is a big deal to God, okay? It was the first um, covenant that was made in, in Scripture. Like ma marriage uh, is a big deal to God. And so how we get there is clearly a big deal uh, to him too. I would argue that other than salvation, it is one of, if not, uh, the biggest decision of your life, right? Why? Because... Uh, if you choose to get married, and we could do a whole, like, we could do a whole, we could talk about singleness, okay? Like, I'm not going to go there. Singleness is amazing. I think mean, we could do, like, it's, it's a whole other conversation, okay? So don't think that because I'm talking about marriage, I'm, like, neglecting singleness. That's not, not what I'm doing here. But we're talking about dating tonight. We're talking about marriage. So that's where we're going. So, um, but I think marriage is important because you're picking the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. 
right? You're picking the person who's going to potentially raise your children. You're picking the person who's going to know the most intimate things about you. And so when it comes to dating, we have to make sure we're doing it the right way and dating the right person. The who and the how is very crucial. And so here's three lies I want to address about dating that is very common that I work with with, with young adults. First lie, the person you date will satisfy you. The person you date, these are lies about who to date, the person you date will satisfy you. Okay, I hear all the time, you maybe hear this, like, who's my soulmate? I know that's cheesy, but some of you, if I had to bet, you've thought this before, like, do I have a soulmate? Who's my soulmate? And, I, and I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? Okay, if you mean, like, who's the person who's gonna, you're going to do life with and go after Jesus with with all of your mind, heart, and soul, like, great, I'm with that. But if you're talking about the person who's going to complete, like, Every aspect of your being who's going to fulfill all of your dreams, who's going to complete your heart, I'm not on board with that. Okay? Um, because here's what I've learned with people who talk about wanting a soulmate. What they really mean is they want a savior. They want someone to heal them. They want someone to um, save them. They want someone to uh, fix them. They want someone to complete them in a way. Um, I hear all the time that once I'm in a relationship or once I'm dating someone, then I'll be joyful. Or once I'm in a relationship, or once I'm dating someone, then I'll be not addicted to pornography. Or once I'm dating someone, then I'll be healed and whole. And I just want to very um, clearly say to you, fill in the blank for whatever that thing is for you. You will not be healed. <coughs> you will not be joyful. You will not be um, not addicted to pornography. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. You will not be that thing until you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know that's cliche, and I know you've probably heard that before, but it's true. You will not, a, a relationship, a person you choose today is not going to heal you, is not going to save you, is not going to fix that broken thing about you. Only Jesus Christ will. Think about the two, definitely Jesus, but arguably the other most important person in the Bible, Paul. They're both single, Right? And so to say that I need to be married or I need to be in a relationship to be satisfied or to be whole is blasphemy. It's not true. Because the most joyful, peaceful, kind, fulfilled person on the face of this earth, King Jesus, was single. Right? And a close second, Paul, single. And so when you're looking for someone to date, you need to know whoever it is, they will not satisfy you or they will not heal that broken part of your life. Let me make a statement. This is not a blanket statement. This is just a majority of the time I've seen this, okay? Uh, people who I see struggle in their dating in 2022 are people that don't really prioritize intimacy with Jesus, okay? And again, I know you can interpret that a lot. What I'm saying is people that seem to always break up and get back together or always have drama in their relationship or always are fighting or bickering or whatever, it's usually people that aren't prioritizing an intimacy-first relationship with Jesus, the people who I see um, that have an awesome relationship, they're secure, they're not relying on one another, they, they, they're, they're not bickering, they're no, no drama, they're usually the ones that realize that the creator of my soul is the only one who can satisfy me, and I'm going to first and foremost prioritize relationship with him. So number one, the person's not going to satisfy you. Second lie, the person has to have charm and beauty. Okay? Everyone's like, oh, here we go. Okay? Okay, but this is real, okay? The person, this is why it's like, people, when they, we, we have set such unrealistic expectations on people. This is real, okay? Um, I hear it all the time, like, 
girls are like, I want them to be 6'3", and tall, and, and, and like strong, but not like too strong, and like, I want them to like, take care of themselves, but not like be obsessed with themselves, and y'all are all laughing because you've said this, or you've heard someone say this, or, or, or guys are like, hey, I want her to be, you know, blonde and short, but like not too short, or like I want her to be confident, but like not too aggressive, or whatever it is, feeling like, and what we've done is we begin to create these unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, and what begins to happen is there are all these amazing people that we have an opportunity to go on a date with, but if they don't check off every box, we just pass by. And I see so many people who give up amazing opportunities to be uh, going to date with someone or be in a relationship with, with someone. But again, because they don't check all the boxes, they just let them pass on by. Uh, I wrote down here, beauty fades and charm is deceitful. Beauty fades and charm is deceitful. Women, you're going to get old. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to get wrinkly. You're going to potentially, you're like, this is real. This is real. Guys, you're going to get old. You're going to get wrinkly. You're going to get a big old belly, potentially. Like, these things are going to happen. My wife is my wife is 25 weeks pregnant right now, okay? She's got a big old belly right now. It's just, it's real. Like, these things happen, like, over time. Like, my, my wife literally, the other day, she'd probably be mad if I said this. She was looking at herself in the mirror. She was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm starting to get wrinkles on my face. And that's like, I know that's a little thing, but like when beauty is the standard, what happens when you get sick and you're laying in a hospital bed for months? Or what happens when, you know, you break your leg and you can't, like these things are going to happen. And when beauty and charm is the standard, I promise it will let you down every single time. So uh, number one, first lie. The person will satisfy you. The second lie is the person has to have charm and beauty. Like, that's the standard. The third lie is this. Okay, I'm going to hang out a little bit more here because this is important. I could talk about this for hours. Y'all are going to laugh. This is real. We're all adults here, okay? That you have to try before you buy. Okay? I'm talking about sex. And I'm talking about living with someone before you're married with them. This one grieves me. Okay? I, it, it is, it is mind-blowing to me how many people live together. It blows my mind. Followers of Jesus living together. I do not understand it. I do understand it. But it, it, it grieves me. Um, and so this idea that you have to try before you buy. So let's talk about sex, okay? I got a lot of notes here. Um, I want you to hear me. Sex is not just physical. It's not just physical. Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, um, he, he's making this kind of um, sarcastic argument to the Corinthians. He says, he quotes... Uh, what the Corinthians were saying. He's saying food for stomach and stomach for food. And he's making this point that the Corinthians were saying that when I get hungry, I eat. He's talking about sex in this, in this chapter. And he's saying basically the food is for, for stomach and the stomach is for food. When I get hungry, I eat. So basically when I get horny, I have sex. Like what's the difference? It's a physical thing. I just do it. What's the difference? And, and Paul makes this argument in this text that no, no, no. Sex is not just physical. It is, it is an emotional and, and chemical and, and, and emotional bond that is very, very powerful. And outside of the covenant of marriage, it can be very destructive. It's a soul-binding, brain-wiring, intimate bonding that can only be fruitful and protected inside the covenant of marriage. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a scientist here, okay, but I've studied this a little bit. When you have sex, there's a chemical reaction going on in your body and brain. It releases dopamine and oxytocin. Dopamine is the thing that releases and says, keep doing that over and over because I like it. Oxytocin is a hormone that produces bonding. 
Sex is such an intense human experience that creates addiction and an intimate bond. And if you initiate it too early, you become addicted and you haven't even asked the questions, do I want to spend the next 50 years with this person am I or, or am I compatible with this person? And you don't even really care because sex because it becomes a thing that consumes you. Right? Uh, in Genesis, when, when, um, when Moses, when the writer says that Adam and Eve became one flesh, right? We're all adults here. One flesh, part of what he was talking about. In the original language, it says they became one psyche. And so he's saying that, again, this is like on a, this is on a, this is on a emotional, neurological, brain-wiring, intimate bonding level. This isn't just a physical thing that you do. It's why, um, have you ever seen the couple, I, this was me, okay? This happened to me. That loses their virginity to someone, and then they end up staying together way too longer than they should stay together. It's like they hate each other. They don't, they're mad at each other. They cheat on each other. This is what I did. We cheated on each other. We were not kind to each other. And everyone's like, why are y'all still dating? And it was like, because we had both lost our virginity to each other, there was something that happened there was this connection and we didn't know how to break free from it. There was this toxic relationship we didn't know how to break free because sex did something to us. Purity now leads to intimacy later. The fight is worth it. Okay, so guard your heart uh, for, from sex. You don't have to try before you buy. That is, that is, that is a lie from, from, from the pit of hell. The second thing is this. I want to talk about living together. Okay, here's, a, here's an interesting stat. 2% of couples that live together actually stay, get married and stay married. 98% either break up or end up getting a divorce after marriage. That is like astounding to me. 98% either break up or end up getting a divorce after marriage. Okay? Because the women are usually thinking, well, and again, I'm not, this is not like a sexist. This is just like through conversation. This is a, a, a If I live with him, he will commit to me and honor me and value me more because we're together more. And the man is usually thinking, well, I'm, all, I'm getting all the benefits of marriage without the money and the full commitment, so what is the rush to get married? Right? Very unhealthy. Very toxic. Also, Paul says flee from sexual immorality. How in the world can you flee from sexual immorality if you're living with someone, sleeping with someone, spending intimate time with them? Also, I here, intimacy is way more than sex, and God wants a lot of things to save a lot of things for marriage. Right? Waking up with someone, this is cheesy, snuggling with someone, making meals with someone at night, doing intimate things like that. God meant that for marriage. And when you're living with someone, it begins to um, take away uh, that intimate, those intimate spaces in your life that God designed for marriage. Excuse me. So, three lies. Number one, the person will satisfy you. It's not true. Only, only Jesus Christ can. The person has to have charm and beauty. That's the standard. That's not true. Looks fade. Charm fades. And number three, you have to try before you buy. Okay? Sex is not just physical. It does something on a neurological level. Okay? It's only designed for the covenant of marriage and living together. It's, it's a disaster. Okay? I could talk about that for more time. I don't have time. It's a disaster. Okay? So, those are three lies. I'm going to move into I'm going to give you four, five quick things when it comes to who today, so next week we're talking about the, the how and the process. Today I'm talking about the person and the who. So five things. You ready? And then, I'll be, and then we'll do Q&A. Is that good? We good? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Number one, who today? A believer in Jesus Christ. A believer in Jesus. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 15 says this. 
Paul says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wicked have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial, I don't know how to say that. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Okay, so the first thing, this is like, this is, let me, let me should preface with this. The first two things are close-handed. I believe Bible, very clear on this, close-handed. The next three, I think, are open-handed. And this is not like a, um, uh, like, the, you, we, we, there's 10, 20 things I could talk about. I just had to pick five. Okay, so first two, close-handed. Next three, open-handed. So number one, believer in Jesus. Close-handed. Here's what Paul's saying here, okay? Has anyone heard, I think this is funny, flirt to convert? Anyone heard this? You got to flirt to convert. This that ain't it, okay? Like missionary dating, dating on mission, that ain't it, okay? Here, here here's what uh, I'm not saying. I'm not saying to never hang out with unbelievers. It's not what I'm saying. I think you should have friends that are uh, unbelievers. I think you should be strategic in the way that you live your life to position your your yourself in places and spaces to be with non-believers. Should be a light to non-believers. You should be friends. Etc. But with one of the most important decisions of your life, this verse is saying, don't be unequally yoked. You know what a yoke is? It's this wooden thing that you would put on two animals so they could walk in the same direction. And Paul is saying, don't yoke an ox and a donkey because they're trying to do completely separate things in life. Why should you not date a non-believer? Here's why. Because who you think runs the universe informs everything about your life. And if one of you believe Jesus does, and the other doesn't even know about Jesus or care about Jesus, then your values, priorities, and commitments will all be out of whack. And it will cause lots of frustration, lots of tension, etc. If one of you is trying to love God and others and the other isn't, it's only going to create tension, headaches, and heartaches in your relationship. It's, an issue, it's really an issue of allegiance and direction. Allegiance of who the Lord of your life is and direction of if you're trying to move towards the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the world. So here's what happens if a believer... <coughs> sorry, I had this smoothie before, and it's just like <laughs> messing my stomach up. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and I have acid reflux, so I'm sorry. I apologize. Here's what happens if a believer dates a non-believer. Okay? Listen, this is important. Either the Christian begins to compromise their faith and beliefs, or the non-Christian is being dragged to church and forced to do Christian things. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Not only does it not work, but Jesus, Paul says, don't do it. Okay? It's not in the heart of God. God has your best interests. It's not, it's, it's not going to go well for you if you start dating a non-believer. If you have, I, that's a whole other conversation. I don't have enough time. This is, this is a lot. We're, I'm going to keep going, okay? That's number one. Number two, number two, so not only a follower of Jesus Christ, but number two, a pursuer of the character of Jesus. A pursuer of Jesus' character. Galatians 5, 19-23, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace. Oh, I feel like I've been this song every time I do. Patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Get such things is no law. And so Paul is comparing and contrasting someone who lives their life by the Spirit or someone who lives their life in 
<coughs> the flesh. And so the reason I say you need a God for someone who's a pursuer of the character of Jesus is because hearing someone say in 20, 2022 that they're a Christian means absolutely nothing. Right? Can, can we be honest? You need to date someone whose life actually reflects the person and character of Jesus Christ. Does the person you're dating manifest the fruits of the Spirit or the fruits of the flesh? Do they lie a lot? Do they get easily anger, angered? Are they super prideful? How do they treat other people? Do they tip waiters when waiters come by? Like little things. These are very important. Do they operate out of their spirit or out of their flesh? Is their life, or is their life mark, marked by peace, love, joy, etc.? Because guess what? These things, if their life is marked by more, and again, we're all broken, we're all like sanctifying, like we're all growing, but if their life is, is more marked by lying and cheating and, and anger and all these things, I need you to hear me as a married man. These things only magnify and grow in marriage. They don't get better, okay? I had an anger issue, and I'm in counseling right now dealing with these things. It, it got worse in marriage. It got magnified in marriage. They don't go away once you get married. They only get worse. They only are, it's like a magnifying glass is, 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 is pointed on those things. They only are magnified. Are they reading their Bible? Are they praying? Or at least do they have a desire to do these things? Right? Again, we're all on a journey. If you're not, it's okay. But is there something inside of them that's saying, I want to pursue the character traits and the ways of Jesus. I think it's valuable to know these things before you get get into a relationship, but some things you may not be able to see until you get in, and that's okay because, again, dating is a process of evaluation. I've seen this way too many times where a relationship starts with a guy or girl turning up the religion dial to win the person over until a couple of months into a relationship, you don't even know if they know Jesus anymore. And it was all fake. Because... They use that to win a person over, right? And so I think evaluating, hey, how is this person's character? Do, do they look like Jesus? Are they gentle? Are they kind? Are they humble? I think those things are very important as you're navigating who you're going to date. Find someone who's in love with Jesus and their life is marked by his character. If it isn't, red flag. <clears throat> Third thing, okay, so these are, the rest are open, open-handed, okay? Subjective, I don't believe the Bible necessarily teaches these um, that these are like close-handed objective issues so take it with a grain of salt you can disagree agree whatever okay number three keeps pace with you spiritually so not only do they need to be a believer of Jesus and a pursuer of his character but they should probably keep up with you spiritually keep pace keep at the same pace with you spiritually so again sorry I keep saying I see this a lot I've worked with young adults for the last five years but I see this a lot People, they're, they're, there's either a guy or a girl who's like sold out for Jesus and super mature in their faith, and then they begin to date someone who's like been following Jesus for two months. And it just creates a lot of strain and tension within the relationship. And hear me, I don't think this is wrong. I don't think it's wrong, okay? I don't think it's bad to do this. I don't think it's unbiblical to do this. I'm just I'm here to tell you, it will create tension in your relationship. Okay, because you got the guy who's like sold out. I want to move to Indonesia and be a missionary. And you got you know the guy or the girl who's like, what? Like I just started reading my Bible. Like you're weird. What are you talking about? Right? And that's a silly example. But I've seen these things play out where it's you got the super mature Christian guy or girl and someone who maybe just started following Jesus, and they just they're on a different page spiritually, and it creates frustration. I call it drag dating. 
because you don't always want to drag someone alongside you to keep up with you spiritually. Um, so many notes here. Um, here's how I've seen this play out too. The spiritually immature person looks at the spiritually mature person to satisfy them and fulfill them when that was always God's role. Or someone who is more mature in their faith is making decisions about their faith and their walk with Jesus and makes absolutely zero sense to a new believer and it creates this weird confusion. Okay? We don't need discipleship dating. You're not dating someone to disciple them. That is not your role. That's exhausting to even try to do that. Right? You're not, again, flirt to convert. Once you convert them, maybe. It's like, it's not your role to, like, yes, if y'all are running together and following Jesus together, and like, that's great. But your main mission in dating should not be, I am discipling this person. Right? Your job is to be a person to find a person that is completely sold out for Jesus. Number four, I got two more, and then, and then we'll ask any questions. Number four, <clears throat> chemistry. Do you have chemistry? Right? Can you engage in conversation with this person? Do you have fun with them? Do you like hang, hanging out with them? These are like important things, right? Um, I wrote on here, are you physically attracted to the person? That's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad question to ask. I think it's a bad first question to ask. Again, it shouldn't be the standard. It should be of utmost priority. Um, I've seen this a lot. People who are so physically attracted to each other that it blinds them to the reality that they have nothing in common and don't really enjoy hanging out that much. Seriously, it's like they're so like, it's like they just want to have sex. And it's like they're so physically, like this desire is so strong and they're like fighting for purity and it's like it's there that once that goes away, it's like, wait, I don't even like, like hanging out with you. Like I don't even know if like, I can enjoy your company. And I just want you to hear, as a married man, um, when the lure and the, like, the excitement, the honeymoon phase, if you will, of sex wears off, guess what happens? You hang out with your wife. You hang out with your husband all the time. And so you need to know, is there chemistry there? Are you enjoying being an actual friend of this person? Write this down. I think this is important. This is about the sex. Sex complicates evaluation. I think this is important. Sex complicates evaluation. When you get hooked on sex before marriage, you begin to lose or not care as much about the evaluation of character and friendship or chemistry. But like I just said, when you're married and not having sex as much, guess what you will crave? Character and friendship and chemistry. Like that's, it's like, wait, it's not all about sex. I literally, I'm, I'm just, my wife and I believe this side, it's like sex is everything. And it's just not. Like, it's not. Sex is awesome. It's like a beautiful gift from God. But it's just like such a like, small piece of, of marriage. And friendship and the chemistry and the friendship that you have is so much more important. And if you don't have that in the evaluation of dating, I promise you're going to struggle within marriage. Uh, last thing. This is a weird one, but I've, I've seen it. Again, I've seen it. Are you theologically compatible with this person? So, again, this is an interesting one to me, but, like, Catholic versus Protestant, right? Again, if the goal is marriage, these are conversations you need to have. So, like, so like I, I, I've seen, I see couples now, I think it's very, I think it's sad, um, who, like, literally on Sundays, one goes to church, uh, like a Catholic I don't even mass like goes to mass and then other just goes to church at a, at a Protestant church on Sunday, <clears throat> and I just think these are things that like 
that, that need to be taught about Presbyterian charismatic. I, there's a couple um, right now that I that I that I know that's like the guys or the I think it's the the girl is like fully charismatic, praying in tongues, prophecy, Holy Spirit, all of it. And the other guys like I just want to sit and be quiet and like. I'm very Presbyterian. I'm very Reformed. Like, I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. It weirds me out. And it's like, it's, I'm like, y'all need to talk about this. Because, if, again, if the goal is marriage, what are you going to do? Right? These are important. I think, I think it's an important thing. Like, are you married to the guitar and the piano and the lights? Are you married to the organ? Like, all of these things. That, again, I know it's silly, but I think it's very uh, important. So, uh, believer of Jesus, pursuer of his character keeps pace with you spiritually, do you have chemistry and are you theologically compatible? There's so much more I can talk about here. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I could talk for an hour. I just, I'm not going to do that. Um, so that's all I got.